0: Acts chapter 10, we'll just take you back to that passage, entitled the message, A Different Congregation, and just let's seek the Lord as we come to the preaching of his word tonight. Lord, we thank thee for the message that we have been commissioned to tell around, and to let it abound, there's life in the risen Lord. We thank the Lord, tonight we don't speak about a dead Savior. We don't, Lord, worship one who has ears but cannot hear or eyes but cannot see. We worship one who is the only true and living God of heaven and earth. And, Lord, we as we tonight for the plain message of the gospel. We pray, Lord, you'd bring us into this passage. Lord, we, as it were, help us to take our seat before Peter, as he preaches this message. And we pray, Lord, that thou would have thine own way. O God, cause thy word to run and be glorified. Shut us in with thyself. Or shut out the distractions, maybe even of this week. And for this little time remaining, just, Lord, close us in with thee, praying that I might speak above the voice of the preacher. Thy still, small voice, will be heard I would draw, Lord, even a soul unto thyself tonight. They might be saved, born again, knowing their sins forgiven. ere they leave this house. Have mercy. Lord, to that end, give us words that must and shall prevail. Give us those prevailing words we ask. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. There was that occasion that we read of, of Capernaum, and it was noised abroad that the Lord was in the house. That was the day when the four friends you remember were to carry the sick of the palsy and they were to lure him right down into the presence of the, of the Christ of God. That was the day when the sick of the palsy was to be healed. And he was to leave as a man not only healed from a sickness but one who knew sins forgiven. Oh that the same might be said of one in the meeting house tonight, that you dear loved one who have come into the house of the Lord with all your sickness might see Christ as never before and that you might know the touch of the Master. Because you see, when we come to Acts chapter 10, we're brought into another house. It's the house of Cornelius. And while there's no letting of himself down through the roof, as was the case with the sick of the palsy, Yet it was upon the rooftop that God was to show Peter that he was to go to Caesarea, that he was to go to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile, for to preach the gospel. If you just look across at the chapter, that is what the opening part of the chapter details. The vision of the white sheep being lowered down before him with the unclean him in it. And the command was for Peter to kill and to eat. Verse 14, But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto me again the second time, What God hath cleansed that call, not thou common. And that vision was to appear three times before Peter. (coughs) And during that time, there was three men that arrived at the gate, seeking for Simon Peter to come with them. And so, in obedience, Peter went with the men. And they brought him into the house where he was to find Cornelius waiting, who welcomed him, who was to show him a good congregation of people. You look at the words of verse 33. They were punctual. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou wast well done that thou wert come. Now, therefore, are we all here, present before God, to hear all things that are commanded the of God. Not only were they punctual, they had come with one purpose of mind and that was to hear the things concerning God. They had a reverent spirit about them for they were conscious. They were before God and they had the preacher in the right perspective for they hadn't come to be taken up with him but to hear what God commanded him to speak and they desired to hear the whole counsel of God. It was in such a gathering, with such a gathering before him, that Peter is found to be opening his mouth. What did they need to know? What was his message? You see, men and women, it was a different congregation. But the message was still about Christ. They knew certain things about him. They knew about the Lord, his anointing of God. They knew about his work on earth. They knew about his death on the cross and his resurrection. And so Peter sums the message up with the application that I want to leave as a text before you tonight. You'll find it in the words of verse 43. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. You'll notice there the subject of the Scriptures. You see, the opening of that text details that Peter was directing their thoughts back to the Old Testament. Don't forget they hadn't got what you have and I have tonight. We have the whole canon. We have the Old and New Testament. They had only got the old. And Peter directs them back to the Scriptures For he says to him, Give all the prophets witness. In other words, the one of whom he was preaching about, the one I want to tell you about, and bring before your hearts, men and women, was no new message. The Old Testament prophets of whom they would have been familiar with spoke of this same person. To whom did they bear witness to? To whom did he uplift before them? It was Christ. It was to him the one who was raised from the dead, the one who was seen of many after the resurrection, not least the apostles, the one who commanded the apostles to preach unto the people and to bear witness like the Old Testament prophets already had done so, that he was the one chosen of God to be the judge of all the earth. This was the Messiah who had been promised to come. And in considering the Old Testament prophets, they spoke of Christ, then we must understand that not only was their witness one of a promise, but their witness was also prophetic. They witnessed in their day that Christ should come as the only Savior to this world. It was a prophetic message, for it had not already happened. But they, directed by the Holy Spirit, were able to look down the corridors of time And they were able to uh, speak and see of the one sent of God as the Messiah, as the one who in obedience would would, would not only be born in Bethlehem's manger, but also one day die on that cross of Calvary. It says to him, give all the prophets witness. You think of the message of Christ's coming that was heard in the Garden of Eden. For God said to the serpent in Genesis 3, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. It was promised in the book of Moses that one day the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the old serpent. And as we now have in the standpoint of looking back to Calvary, what do we see by the eye of faith? But there the one who was promised to come, even Christ, he was to bruise the head of the old devil himself. His head was crushed, for that's why Christ came. 1 John 3 and 8, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. The message that the Old Testament prophets bore witness of was the same message and the same person that these gathered in Cornelius' house was to hear of. It was the same Christ. Did you notice in those opening words that their witness is all inclusive? to him gave all the prophets. It's not just some of them, but indeed they all speak of Christ. You can't take up the Old Testament and not see the Lord. It's John Calvin who said, I seek to find Christ in all the Scriptures. That's why we preach from the Old Testament as well as the new, because Christ is found therein. And that is the only message that Peter could bring to these people. That's the only message that is sounded forth in this church. For it is the only message worth preaching. Take Christ out of the message. And there's nothing left for the hearts and for the needs of men and women. Take Christ out of the message. And there is no gospel. What is the gospel? It's good news. All the prophets bore witness of Christ. And if you ever want proof of that, then come with me back to Luke chapter 24, Luke's gospel chapter 24. And you just listen to a few verses of the message of the risen Savior spoke to those two disciples on the Emmaus road. Look at verse 25. Then he said unto them, here's two two disciples, one of them we've given the name of. Verse 18 at Cleopas. It may have been his partner that was with We don't know the other one's name, but there was two. They're walking out of Jerusalem down of heart, sorrowful. They didn't know what had happened to their friend. And we read here of one who drew alongside. And he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. They didn't realize it was Christ, the risen Lord who drew alongside and went with them. Jesus went with them. Thank God, men and women, when we're in sorrow, the Lord draws near. And he's able to uphold, and he's able to comfort, as he did with these two. And the Lord, unknown to them, was with them. And in the midst of their sorrow, he was to begin at Moses. Well, there's the first five books of the Old Testament Did he remind them, I wonder, about Adam and Eve. Of how the Lord God covered them after they had sinned in the garden. How he had taken that animal and that animal's blood was shed and died. And from the skins of that animal, our first parents were covered, were clothed. Did he tell them about Abraham? Of how the ram was offered in the stead of Isaac upon Mount Moriah—a glorious picture of what Christ would accomplish. You'll not see a mountain range, just a centuries' down through time. Did he tell them about Abram? He spoke to them first of all, beginning at Moses. You say he spoke to him of himself in the prophets. Did he remind them of what Isaiah had said? about the sufferings of the man of sorrows, the one who was acquainted with grief. With prophetic accuracy, Isaiah speaks of him as being led as a lamb to the slaughter. He speaks of him, justify many through his death and being numbered with the transgressors. Oh, dear child of God and dear unsaved, look at the cross tonight and you see the Lamb of God where? But he's hanging between two thieves the fulfillment of those prophetic scriptures in Isaiah. He expounded unto them, not only beginning at Moses and all the prophets, but in all the scriptures, there's a threefold division of the Hebrew Bible. He spoke to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Did he mention the many words in the Psalms which can only speak of Christ? Did he bring to their attention Psalm 22, the psalm of the cross, the cries that were heard uh, from the cross, or Psalm 23 of Christ as the shepherd of the sheep. I don't know what the full content of that message of the Savior was that day. But I do know this. I know what the disciples' response was. For we're told in Luke 24, Did not our hearts burn within us? while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the Scriptures. I know this, that all the prophets bear witness of him, of Christ, who is the only Savior, and one day is to be the only judge of this world. That was the one that Peter brought to this congregation, and that's all my business, is to bring Christ to your heart. Let me ask you tonight, can you bear witness of Him as your Savior? Do you know what a witness is? A witness tells forth what they see, what they know. Can you bear witness tonight, as all the Old Testament prophets have done, that Christ is my Savior? That's my prayer. You know, not only do you recognize here the subject of the scriptures, but I want you to notice the way of salvation. What was it Peter was in agreement with the prophets of old to bring to this people? I suggest to you it is the way of God's salvation for lost and sinful mankind. How can you be saved tonight, right now? I believe that you have the answer before you. In this very text of Scripture, you'll notice the way of salvation is an exclusive way. There are not many ways to God. There are not many ways to heaven. As the religious world would try and tell us, there is but one way and one way only. And you have it in my text. For it says to him, give all the prophets witness, that through his name. See it? That through his name. It can only speak of the power that's found in the name of Christ. God hath given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. That was the message of the angel to Joseph. Because Jesus means Savior. It's the only name wherein salvation is to be found. It was Peter on the day of Pentecost who was to preach the name of Christ to the people. I turn you back to Acts chapter 2. Just look at the words of verse 22. You can uh, picture it in your mind's eye. Peter standing before the great crowds as all the apostles did. And he starts to preach. Verse 22, ye men of Israel, hear these words. Where does he start? Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know him being delivered by the determined counsel, and foreknowledge of God ye have taken and crucified, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. You see, pre- Peter preached Christ the day of Pentecost. Three thousand souls were gloriously converted to add it unto the church. And following the day of Pentecost, he was to see a man that we looked at one other night begging for alms. And he saw that man raised by the name of Christ. It's the Lord himself who said, I am the way. The truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That confirms to us what this verse is teaching. That there is only one way to God. There are only one means by which a sinner can be saved from their sins and be made ready for heaven. It's not through the name of a church. It's not by a church attendance. It's not by doing good uh, good works or one's best. But as Peter brings out to these uh, people in a Gentile congregation, it's through the powerful name of Christ. While there is exclusively only one way to God, You'll notice that the saving message of God's salvation is extended to all who will hear. Look at it again. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever. Whosoever. You see, men and women, it brings us to that. Picture that parable of the Savior taught about the broad road, and then there's the narrow gate. And there's a narrow gate which leadeth on life eternal. But the call goes out for the whosoever that will come. Peter was now standing in a Gentile house. He was standing before a Gentile congregation as I am tonight. And he was preaching the same message of God's salvation as he did to the Jews beforehand on the day of Pentecost. The same Lord is over all. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first but also to the Greek. Can I personalize it? It's for the one who's brought up in a Christian home, who has been nurtured in the gospel and brought to church and Sunday school and all of that. But it's also for the soul who has never heard of their need of God's redemption and God's salvation. It is for the whosoever will come. It's a wonderful, expansive word, isn't it? Whosoever. Thank God it doesn't say that they bear witness of him that through his name all who are rich or all who are poor or all who are of one particular tribe or country. It says that whosoever, a word that is found in many well-known gospel texts, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, Look, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I put it to you in this meeting, this very meeting tonight, in this house, if you're not saved, if you never come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, then the whosoever surely must include you. What does the whosoever need to do in order to be saved? Look at my text. For it says that through his name, whosoever believeth in him. Whosoever believeth in him. That's it. Simply believe in the name of Jesus. In other words, you must exercise faith in the Lord Jesus to the saving of your soul. Have done with depending upon self have done with trying to turn over a new leaf, have done with trying to depend on a church or a sacrament or the good works. Simply place your faith in what Christ has done and upon his merits. That means being sorry for your sin. That means repenting of it and turning to Christ alone that he might save your soul, that he might pardon you as the only Savior. You stake your all upon him. You stake your life upon him. You stake your death upon him. You stake your very eternity upon him. Upon a life I did not live. Upon a death I did not die. Another's life. Another's death. I stake my soul's eternity. That's it. That whosoever believeth in him. It's the same message that the Philippian jailer was to hear that night from Paul when he cried, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The answer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I tell you, men and women, boys and girls, the message of the gospel, the way of God's salvation couldn't be any simpler. It is by believing. There are many whosovers in this meeting tonight, but I wonder, I wonder, is there a whosoever that believeth? Will you put your faith and trust in Christ? Christ alone. And know the way of salvation which will last you for time. And praise God for all eternity. It will not stop you short of heaven. That whosoever believeth in him, in Christ, the name of Christ, the work of Christ, on the cross. You see, I want you to... Just remember, enclosing closing, the work of the Savior. Because I know there might be those who would doubt that this is all that the sinner has to do. Preacher, it sounds too simple. It's all I have to do in order to find eternal life and be saved. And my friend, that is so. Because the Lord Jesus Christ has done the work. He has done it all. He has paid the price so that you as a guilty soul might be redeemed and might be saved. And that brings us to consider Calvary. For there the work was done. There the Savior went to lay down His life so that He might pardon sinners. If any were ever to be saved from their sin, then there needed to be another who would pardon them. And that other to whom Peter preached to these people about, that other with whom the prophets bear witness of, and to whom we bring before you this evening, it wasn't Peter. See that? Peter doesn't preach about himself. There are people in our land tonight, they believe Peter was the first pope. Peter doesn't preach about himself he preaches Christ that's the one that's the one through whom you can be saved tonight for there's no other good enough to pay the price of sin he only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in maybe you sung that as a child the hymn of Francis Alexander There is a green hill far away. There on the cross he was to pay the punishment for our sin. Burying it away in his own body on the tree. And Peter in his little epistle, he emphasizes it again. 1 Peter 3 and 18 he says, For Christ hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. The just for the unjust. There's the substitute. There's the one who died that you might live, who paid your hell that you might never go there. The one of whom Peter preaches in this Gentile house before Cornelius and those friends that he had gathered. I tell you, in the authority of God's Word, the work has been done. He finished the work by dying on the cross. The price has been paid for the punishment of our sins, the highest price that this world could ever see, even the giving of Himself, the shedding of His own precious blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, though because of Christ. And all because of the work of purchasing our salvation, you sinner can have the promise of eternal life even this very night. For the whosoever that believeth in him. That's just the plain message of the gospel. You want to look, I want you to look at my text one more time. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him, shall receive remission of sins. I draw your attention to one word there. A word which is used more in relation to those your cancer sufferers. When they have known a stay of that deadly growth, when the effects are no longer seen to be advancing, there's every hope that they're cured and they're said to be in remission. A dear soul without Christ, you have a worse disease than any cancer tonight. It's called sin. And the longer that you leave it unchecked and the longer that you leave it unpardoned, then the greater will be its hold and its spread upon you. And the longer that your sin is not dealt with, then the greater is the danger that you will die in your sin and you'll go to a lost sinner's hell. And it will be for them ever too late. I put it to you that for one who has cancer, they were to see me tonight hold up a cure. And I said that for the whosoever that believeth, you'll be cured. Then I guarantee I suspect that everyone would take of it. But this evening I sought to hold before you the one who can cure you of your damning disease called sin. It is for the whosoever will come and that believeth. And Christ has been freely offered to you in the gospel. And the promise is in believing you shall receive remission for your sins. In other words, they will be blotted out. They will be removed. Never to be led to your charge or your account on that great day of judgment. All because of Christ. And you will have the promise and the assurance of eternal life ere you go home tonight. That's what the gospel gives. And these promises are not from a preacher. But they're from God. For he has said... Thy sins and thine iniquities I'll remember no more. He has said in John's Gospel chapter 10, it says, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. That's God's promise. Will you take it at his word tonight? You can know tonight that you have forgiveness of sins, that you have eternal life. But you must come to Christ. You must believe in Him to the saving of your soul. Is there a whosoever who will come just now? Is there one who desires remission of their sin to have them removed? Then may the Spirit of God come in convicting power and draw you to the Savior. I can't Save you, man and woman, young person. I can't cause even an anxious thought but God the Holy Spirit does his work. He convicts and he draws you to see your need of the Savior and the one whom Peter preached in his house and the Gentiles to the different congregation, to him. Give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission. Of sins, And when he preached, there were those that believed. The Holy Ghost fell in them. And they went out and they bore testimony. As did the Jews when they were saved. That they were different. And they showed that publicly by their baptism. Oh, man and woman, tonight I'm not pointing you to anything else other than God's salvation. The person of the Lord Jesus. And you'll want to go out and you'll want to tell others of what God has done for you, and you'll want to publicly show it. May the Lord help you to come tonight. Know Him. Whom to know is life eternal. 275. We'll sing just in closing. May the Lord bless his word to each of our hearts this evening. Oh, what a Savior that he died for me. From condemnation he has made me free. He that believeth on the Son saith he hath everlasting life. We'll sing the first uh, two verses, please, of 275, page 267, 287. God and our Father, we thank thee for thy word. We thank the Lord for the preaching of Peter in the Gentile house. It was the same that he preached to the Jews. He preached up the same name that whosoever believeth in him shall have remission of sins. Lord, we bless thee for the privilege that it is to preach Christ tonight to this Gentile congregation. Lord, we praise thee that thy power is still the same. Thou can see even just now those that are still without Christ, those who know nothing of sins forgiven, all their sin, paid in full in Calvary's cross. Lord, give that deciding grace tonight. Pray for the move of Thy Spirit, convicting and convincing that man or woman of their need of the Savior. Lord, we thank Thee as that Him goes on to say that him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. Lord, they'll take them in. They can know remission of sins tonight. Father, speak on when the preacher's voice is silent. Part us with thy blessing. Bring us to our homes in safety. Watch over us even in the week before us, and I will. May the best yet to be. For we ask these mercies in our Savior's precious and all-worthy name. Amen.